Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody. Welcome into South Sports Live, another edition. It's a uh, really, really cool Thursday night to be doing this because obviously the big news broke just a, a little while ago. Actually, while I was on the air, I was hosting with Bulldog today on WGR. I was doing drive time uh, with Bulldog, the PM show today. And while we were on the air, we got the breaking news from the Bills that Brandon Bean, general manager, has signed a contract extension. Uh, I've been able to verify via a league source that that contract extension will run concurrently with Sean McDermott's contract extension. They're both now locked up through the 2025 season, which is obviously a big deal for Bills fans, the program that they've built and they continue to build since both of them arrived in 2017. Two playoff appearances in three years, a 9-3 record right now. Very well-deserved for both Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. So we'll talk about that tonight, but we got to talk about the Steelers and the Bills because that happens on Sunday night. So we'll get right to that. And of course, if you're watching on the live stream tonight, I appreciate that right here on Twitter or on our Facebook page, my Facebook page, Sal Sports on Facebook, or, of course, my YouTube channel, Coach Sal C on YouTube, if you want to check it out there. You can go back to any of those platforms also and uh, make sure that you can re-watch it. If you haven't watched the live stream, you're not watching right now, maybe you're listening, it's the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast. We do it every week here, and then we turn it around, and we put the audio on the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast. So we're going to bring in our special guest right now, as we do every week, have somebody from the opposing city, and this Week, it's my pleasure to welcome a friend of mine. I've known him for many years. In fact, too many years. That means we're getting old. Tim Benz from Pittsburgh. He joins me. He is a host, uh, radio columnist, everything, TV. He does it all in Pittsburgh. What's going on, buddy? Good to see you. You know, I know that we're getting old too because now that Syracuse is getting beaten by Ron Harper's kid. Oh, yes, right. Uh, I think he scored three times during your open there, Sal. Uh, that's that's how hot he was against Syracuse the other night. Not only that, but I saw Jamal Mashburn's kid is playing too, somewhere oh now. It's amazing. Well, I mean, think about this: when Antoine Winfield's kid was getting drafted this year, and the yes, NFL, there you go. I'm like, yeah. oh my god! And you're watching him in college and seeing that. That's just that's insane. Hey, speaking of kids, is is the Marcus Allen that looks like he's got to play now on defense because of the injuries? Is he related to Marcus Allen? No, no, he, okay. he is not. No. Okay. All right. Well, Tim Benz joins me. Uh, we, we I, I would like for him to be related to Jack Lambert, though. That would be nice because they kind of need an inside linebacker right about now. Yeah, they do for sure. We'll talk about that. Let's in fact start there. Uh, Tim and I, we've known each other for a long time. We try to help each other out when Pittsburgh and Buffalo are going at it in one of the sports, whether that's hockey or football. So I really appreciate him uh, taking the time here tonight and also on the podcast if you're listening that way. The big news has been the injuries. I mean, they lose Devin Bush. They lose Spillane. Is it his uh, replacement, and then obviously Dupree, and now Vince Williams on the COVID list. Well, what are they going to do at linebacker here? 
Yeah, the offense is broken and the defense is decimated by injury. Uh, it's not good. Ulysses Gilbert was up and practicing today. Uh, they got Avery Williamson, who they acquired from the Jets, and I assumed that Spillane would just be holding down the fort until they could get Williamson up to speed, but they never seemed to have much of an interest in getting him up to speed beyond being Spillane's backup. Uh, and now he has to back him up. And uh, it looked pretty lousy, actually, against the Redskins um, in the middle of the field as that game wore along. You know, J.D. McKissick looked more like J.D. Falk or, you know, like a mini Roger Craig coming out of the backfield. Um, I think he caught 10 passes for 70 yards against the Steelers. So if that's something the Bills saw on, the, on tape, you know, I don't think they use their backs a ton up there, do they? I mean, uh, so 40, 40, 44 catches combined between the running backs is what I looked up today. They're so willing to, but they, they spread their – it's a really more of a receiver-heavy passing game at this point. Right. I mean, but you can use Cole Beasley in that fashion, just not out of the backfield. Um, I think they're in real trouble at that position. And, you know, the inside linebacker is just attrition by the depth chart. But Bud Dupree is literally a franchise tag player. You know, he's a very improved and very good football player has become that over the last two years. And losing him was huge because so much of that defense's success is predicated on the pass rush of the edges, those two guys. And uh, then from about the tackle to the guard with the push up the middle from uh, from Tewitt and Cam Hayward. So, you know, if you take one of those four out of the mix, you're eliminating 25% of what I deem to be the most important element of that defense. And, and when I looked at it, Marcus Allen, he was listed as a safety. Are, are, they, are they basically playing a guy who's not really a true linebacker, maybe an inside linebacker? Or is that just a bad place? Yeah, they've called him a linebacker this year and he's been in the linebacker room frankly since the middle of training camp so i mean he's still built more like a safety but he's kind of been a dime backer a dime specific inside linebacker but he's essentially a safety playing that role he has been in the linebacker room they've wanted us to refer to him as such but he's been a safety his whole life and that position is just sort of morphed more and more over the past two years, three years for the Steelers. Really, ever since Shazier left, they've kind of tried different iterations of hybriding that position. They tried it with Morgan Burnett, and that blew up in their face. Uh, honestly, Terrell Edmonds does some of that. Uh, you know, Bush is probably a slightly oversized safety, but he plays inside linebacker, you know. Um, and he's he was getting it. He was getting better. He was not Shazier yet, but what made that defense dynamic, particularly at the start of the season, was the speed element. And you take Devin Bush off the field, you take Bud Dupree off the field at the edge, and I think where his speed really showed was more in the run game than the pass rush game, to be honest with you. I mean, he would really crash off the edge, and they did a great job against some elite running backs early in the season, in part because of that. It's not the same defense that we saw when they got off to that really good 7-0 and start, and then things started to wobble a little bit when they went to Dallas. They can still get after the quarterback, though, right? I mean, they, their numbers are still okay. I mean, not, they, they don't have some of the guys, and that's because they'll generate pressure. I think I, I heard when they played the other night, one of the broadcasters say that Mike Tomlin says, hey, if we can't get there with four, we'll bring five. We can't th get there with five, we'll bring six. Is that Does that philosophy change given the personnel now? Yeah, I thought they were going to blitz a little bit more. And, and I guess they did. I'd have to go back and look a little bit closer at the numbers, what their blitz percentage was against Washington. But uh, Vince Williams is probably their most skilled blitzer, he and Mike Hilton. You take Vince Williams off the field now because of COVID, right. that's another element to diminishing their pass rush because I thought that might be a nice supplement uh, 
to not having Dupree is that you could bring Vince Williams blitzing a bit more often. They've just been reticent to do that because they don't want to expose the secondary. All right, so now you have the secondary where Joe Hayden is in concussion protocol. So what does that do? It looks like, I mean, here we are Thursday. He hasn't practiced, so it's not looking good for him, Tim. Um, what does it look like in the back end without Joe Hayden? Shaky. He was out there today. I mean, he's doing what, remember, of course, because of the Monday night game, the Bills are going through it too. Everything's kind of moved back a day for the protocol and all, but he was bouncing around. He really seemed up. Maybe they can squeeze him in. I don't know, but if he can't go, You've got Steve Nelson coming back after an off week where if it was, in fact, the knee that was the issue, I'm sure they'd like to, if they're in a better state, to give him an extra week, but they can't because of the importance of the Bills game. They just lost a game. They're not only trying to stave off the Bills, they're trying to keep up pace with the Kansas City Chiefs as well. So, um, yeah, I think both corners are a question. Cam Sutton does a nice job wherever you put him. Um, you know, he's a good, versatile player defensive back I never feel like they're completely naked out there when they throw Sutton into whatever position getting Hilton back as their nickel guy is big but it's almost bigger in the run game and the blitz game than it is the coverage game he's not that great of a coverage guy but um you know it's it's basically on Cam Sutton taking on a larger role and it's also on Justin Lane who is starting to get woven in more and more due to attrition uh being good when called upon Tim Benz, that's the voice you hear, and maybe even the guy you see on your screen. If you're watching on the screen right now on the live show or maybe listening on the podcast, you can uh, follow him over at Tim Benz with a Z, and that's Tim Benz PGH over in Pittsburgh. Does a lot of stuff, Pittsburgh media, uh, Steelers, Penguins. He'll talk about it all. But I want to talk about the offense now for these Steelers because it, it seems to me that you know they have been – very much relying on Ben Rosberg to bail him out of a few plays here or there. And he's done a good job of that, you know, this year. But lately, a lot of drop passes, not able to do that. What's the state of the passing game as of late? I think the passing game is made worse by the absence of the run game because it's being used too much. Um, they have thrown 110 passes, sorry, 104 passes the last two weeks in games where they were tied or trailing for a grand total of three minutes. Wow. Like that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, why are you throwing so much? Why are you throwing so much? Right. Because you can't run. They, they literally can't run. And it's not just the absence of James Connor. They have trouble running when James Connor is in there too. Um, Matt Filer, their left guard should still be playing right tackle. In my opinion, uh, their best run blocking offensive lineman. If it's not this year, soon will be Kevin Dotson and they're not playing them. And I don't know why. Uh, David DeCastro, I think, is playing injured, hasn't looked like himself, especially in the run game. They haven't had Pouncey now for two games. J.C. Hassenauer is a backup at center. Um, Chuksakorafor has been fine in the pass protection game at right tackle, but he's no rogue grader out. It's not like when Willie Colon was playing right tackle or Max Starks, who were capable run guys. And Villanueva is who he is. He's a good player, but um, I think all the guys up front, it's hard to become a good offensive lineman when in the run game when you never do it. <laughs> they are run blocking essentially 30% of the time in games, and they're not practicing as much as they used to. And and how much contact do you really have in the run game anyway in practice in the NFL these days? And whenever they run, they run out of the gun. And I think it's making it awfully easy for defensive linemen to figure out what to do. You know you can just come up the field as far as you can in two seconds and put your hands up. That You saw that's what the Redskins did. Yep. They they went upfield, they pressed upfield for two seconds, then put their hands up because all Ben is doing is throwing these little dinks and dunks all over the place. Every pass is behind the sticks. 
if you ask me, that's a huge reason why they've got as many drops as they do. You know, you're running every play behind the sticks. So these receivers, as James Washington alluded to after the game against uh, Washington, and it sounded like, you know, you hear this all the time when a batter's in a batting slump. What's the matter? Oh, my mechanics are a little bit off. Um, goalie's in a slump. What's the matter? Uh, well, you know, I'm not playing my angles great. Like you can go to these sort of cliches and tropes that always just are catch-alls for players and that are in a bad state right now. And receivers say, well, it's a lack of concentration. Well, the reason why they're concentrating on something else is the ball is going only going four yards in the air and they got to get three more yards and a third and seven after they catch it to get the first down. You know, a lot of times it's a lot easier to catch the ball when you see with your eyes, you've passed the sticks, you turn around, you wait for the ball to come here and you know if you catch it, you've done your job and the offense stays on the field. Right. These guys have to catch the ball and the defenses are so compressed in the Steelers right now. Four guys can take care of the line of scrimmage because you're not running. The other seven guys can be then between four yards off the ball and they don't have to worry about the back third of the defense too much because it's been so rarely going deep. So you've got a ton of people around you. They're worried about getting hit. They're worried about securing the ball and then making a move to get across the, the chains or else, you know what? They're going off the field anyway. So, you know, they've had 35 plays over the past two weeks against Washington and Baltimore that were pass plays that were either batted down to the line of scrimmage um, dropped, intercepted, or just otherwise incomplete. You take half of those, half, let's 17. And if you only get one yard per rush, that's 17 more yards that you got in those other pass plays. And maybe if you get three on a rush, you're going to third and seven or second and seven. And maybe that six yard pass that you're running short of the sticks, you complete that one. And then you can go for it on third and one with a run or a throw on fourth down, which, uh, by the way, they've screwed that up too. Well, I heard Tomlin on Monday, I think, or Tuesday, I guess it would be, say he wants to, he, he knows about the run game. They want to make more of a commitment. And they're getting James Conner back. So, and the Bills at times this year have been leaky against the run. They're kind of hot and cold. They're streaky like that. I think they've been much better as of late. It's more the physical run teams that come right at you that give them a little bit more trouble. But if they do commit more with James Conner, like how much confidence would you have that they would maybe start to turn that around? Not much. Not much. Because like I said, they've been spotty running the ball before that. Um, you know, like Conner's been out for two games now. They weren't great the two previous games. They, they What's that? Pouncey coming back? I don't think he's coming back this week. He hasn't been removed yet from the list, so I doubt it. But I, Right. I, yeah, I kind of lose track of some of these guys in the COVID list. Um, he was not out there today. I don't think he's eligible to come off till tomorrow. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I think if he comes off tomorrow and you see him there, yeah, then he'd probably come back. Um, but I'm not certain about that because we we are not told if they're sick or if they just got a positive. So if he's a close contact positive or you know, even if he's genuinely sick and he's not showing – and he's asymptomatic, then maybe he can come back. I, I think part of the struggle that you saw with the Ravens in that game against the Steelers is a lot of those guys were actually sick and trying to come back, and they were really logy, you know, like right. like battling through it. Um, we haven't seen too much of that from the Steelers. The Steelers have been struck by COVID in a lot of other ways. They, they seem to get one guy at a time. It's, it's constantly like one guy at a time. Um, they had a couple pop up the same week at the Ravens, but you know why? There's, a, there's what, 10 days in between games there. So it compacted, and then that's why they ran into a little trouble. All right. Um, so 
the schedule and everything that happened there. And I know Eric Ebron had some things about it. We were Jeremy over here, as you know, our morning show host, Jeremy White. He was kind of having some fun with that. He's like, when Eric Ebron complained about three games in 12 days, he said, someone want to tell them they were originally scheduled to have three games in 12 days when they're supposed to play on Thanksgiving. Like, so maybe is it, how much is it up here? How much is it mental that maybe what has happened recently is on that? Because if you ask Bill's fans, they'll tell you, they think it did have a lot to do with what happened in Tennessee and against Kansas city when they went through their situation of having their moves games moved around. I think it did a little bit, but it shouldn't, you know, it affected Baltimore way more than it affected Pittsburgh. Um, You know, and and the, the game that I always worried about, when it came to the attrition of the three days, the three games in 12 days. And you're right about that. I think they've gone three games in 12 days, something like five times in the last seven years. It's, it's not all that foreign. Um, so they shouldn't really be all that concerned about it. And, you know, I thought they got the benefit of the swap between them and Dallas. Anyway, I would rather have the Steelers get the extra day to prepare for the bills than what they didn't have to prepare for Washington. Right. You know, like that was my view on it, but they lost to Washington anyway. You know, we were waiting for the quote-unquote classic Tomlin trap game all year. There were plenty of opportunities. They avoided it. They avoided it. They avoided it. And it happened against uh, Washington. But I'm really worried about the Buffalo game. I was always concerned about the Buffalo game as one that could end their unbeaten season regardless. Right. Now I think it's one the Bills not only win, but win pretty easily based on what I've seen from the performance of the Steelers. And, and to answer your initial question, is some of it mental? Yeah, probably. But it shouldn't be. And it how it manifested in the losses against Baltimore and Washington, that's got nothing to do with mental acuity or lack thereof when you're throwing 104 times when you're up for almost 57 minutes of each game. You know, it's like that. that's got nothing to do with mental acuity. That's play selection, and that's that's a lack of uh, execution. Since I came back to Buffalo 10 years ago and you went back to Pittsburgh not too long ago, uh, several years ago, though, we've talked – every time we talk, I ask you about Ben Roethlisberger because it always seems like he's right there at the end of his career, but he keeps on trugging along and keeps getting things done. So let me ask you about Ben Roethlisberger. Where is he at this stage of his career? How is he playing this year, and what's the future hold? Yeah, I don't think they've got any immediate plans to move on from him. They certainly don't have a structure in place. And, you know, especially at some point that last year, the contract is going to come due. It's either going to be dead money or they're going to have to pay him. He's going to have to walk into his last year and then retire. And I don't know when that's coming. I don't think Mason Rudolph is the successor. Uh, They keep talking about him, uh, that they're comfortable with him. But I think they're comfortable with him only in terms of being a backup and absolutely when called upon in a a crunch. So, uh, Ben looks healthy. Uh, I think we are going to have to start asking questions about why so few balls go downfield right now. It's it's either literally really short underneath five and six yard passes, or it's throw it up down the sidelines and hope your guy runs underneath it. Um, is that because he just doesn't have the arm strength anymore? He insists his elbow's okay, but I feel like a lot of these quick passes are to protect him from not getting hit. And I think that is, by extension, a protection of the offensive line. But I also think that Ben likes the control that he has within right. this offense. And I, I think he likes the fact that it makes him look good, the tune of 11-0 and after they were 8-8 eight and eight without him last year. But something about that right now is very, very broken. And that's got to do a little bit, I think, too, with Ben seeding on some of these RPOs and just allowing the ball to be run. And like Sal, twice in the last two games, they've even come back. They've come in with jumbo packages. They bring in an, a fullback, Derek Watt. He touches the field five times in the last two games, or something like that. 
two of the times they brought him in, they flexed him out. And, and, and they're bringing in an extra tight end, or they're bringing in Gerald Hawkins, who's a glorified offensive lineman playing an extra tight end. And then they throw, like they did on the Anthony McFarland play that blew up in their face at the end of the game to turn the ball back over to Washington when they were afraid to kick with the backup kicker from 45 yards out. Like the, there are some times where we're going to go with a jumbo package, just run the ball behind it then. Is is this a case of outthinking yourself? You know, yes, like, yes. trying to outthink the room, basically. Yeah, that that I can't think of another reason why you would throw to a running back who's in his first year, has caught five passes, and has never run that route before. Like Roethlisberger took us through this Venn diagram. He sounded like, you know, Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind trying to describe why the play didn't work and what he did wrong to not help Anthony McFarland. The best way to have Anthony McFarland helped in that situation is have a wide receiver run the pattern instead of him. Right. <laughs> you know, if, if you want to help him, don't put him in that situation. But they didn't know it was coming, and we know that John Boston can't cover, so we're going to put a fast running back out there. He's turning and twisting around. You can tell he's never run the pattern before. It just it, – it was – I don't know, big bag of rocks, and they tried to kick it down the field, and they blew it. Well, speaking of kicking it down the field, um, Boswell's still hurt. He's got the hip injury. Matthew Wright comes in, practice squad kicker. They elected not to go for that longer field goal a little bit later. How much – it could be a bit of a windy, wet night in Buffalo. Yeah. I think the rain's probably going to stop, but as the sideline reporter, I'm trying to stay on top of the weather always. Um, how much would that affect them? And then also tell me about Ray Ray McLeod a little bit, a guy we had here in Buffalo that I know the Bills regime really liked, but they just couldn't find a spot for him when it was all said and done. Boswell um, was at practice today, and um, I think he'll be okay to kick. I, I don't know why you have a kicker on your roster if you're scared to death to go to him for 45 yards out. Uh, and they should have brought on somebody else. I'm sure there's a veteran kicker out there that they could assign. Right. Um, the special teams have been spotty three of the last five weeks. Uh, one of the few things that was good against Washington was the kicker. You know, he came in, he nailed both of his extra points and one field goal. Um, I think that, you know what, they, they were so bad running on fourth and short, and they were so bad throwing on third and fourth and short, I would have preferred the devil that you don't know. Give me the kicker who's never kicked before, and let me see if he can kick it into the open end of Heinz Field. Why not? I know the other two things aren't working great. That's why you decided to throw to a running back for the first time in his life on a fly pattern. So, you know... <laughs> That's as much of a risk to me as taking the kicker and say kicking from 45 yards out at Heinz Field. That's never done it before. So I, I don't know. I, I think uh, Ray Ray McLeod, the other guy that you brought up, he's been good. Uh, I thought he was better early than he has been these last couple weeks. He's had a couple bobbles, um, nearly got Cam Sutton killed uh, against Washington. I don't know if you saw that part of the game yet. It was early in the game. First punt from Washington. He calls a fair catch. Then the ball bounces. He panics and decides to run. Washington then decides to you know try to tackle him. Cam Sutton saw he call a fair catch and just pulled up in the play and nearly got destroyed. Like you can't do that as a returner. Uh, he's a he's a better slot guy I think than what they had in Ryan Switzer. Um, you know especially for all the underneath crossing stuff that they run. He's he's got a role there and um, he did have one really good kick return. He did have a good punt return a couple weeks ago against Cincinnati. He had a really nice punt return. So there's some explosion there. Nice player, has gotten a little inconsistent with his ball handling, put one on the ground, and then picked it up quickly against Washington. they got to shore that stuff up. All right, before I let you go, i got a question here. Pierre Martinez says, how to deal with T.J. Watt? And I, the reason I ask this is, how much is the loss of Dupree and the loss around him at the second level? How much has that or will that impact T.J. Watt, who obviously is a tremendous player? Yeah, I, it didn't appear, and I 
you know, don't know what Washington likes to do enough along the offensive line to speak intelligently about how much extra attention they showed him and left open on the backside for Alex Highsmith. But, um, you know, TJ was still disruptive in that game against um, Washington. He got, I think he was part of two sacks, stripped the ball, made the mistake of trying to pick it up. If he just pounces on it there, maybe the game's over. Had a bad holding call uh, near the goal line that reset the um, down and distance for Washington. They eventually scored on it. And that's the height of irony that TJ Watt gets busted for a defensive holding call when he's held on every play. So to answer your guys' question, what's the answer? Hold him. There you Hold go. him on every play because much like James Harrison, um, maybe Joey Porter before that, but especially Harrison, they only call holding a couple times per game, even if it's happening all the time. And Watt gets held on every play. And uh, when he's not being disruptive, that's usually why. And oftentimes it looks like the opposing offensive line gets away with it. All right, my friend. Well, in a normal year, I'd say maybe I'll see you on Sunday, but that's not going to be the case this year, obviously, with everything going on. Right. With that said, I appreciate you doing this. I'm just going to step away and talk to my listeners about Brandon Bean's extension for a little while. And then you and I are going to chat. Uh, We're going to go the other way. The other way. We'll do the other way. So I appreciate Yeah, I, I told you why the Steelers are going to flame out. Now you're going to tell me why the Bills are going to go to the Super Bowl and win it this time. So. <laughs> I don't know about that, but they're playing well. We'll talk about it. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. You got it. All right. That is Tim Benz. He does a great job over in Pittsburgh, and he is – uh, he's a good friend of mine. We've been, uh, doing this for a long time. Every time we have Pittsburgh, Buffalo connections, sports, Bill Sabres, we, we get together. We talk about it. I do want to talk about the Brandon Bean extension. The bills signed Brandon Bean to an extension. It was announced on Thursday night, Thursday evening, if you will. Uh, it is, and I've confirmed through my sources that it is a extension that runs concurrent basically with Sean McDermott's extension, which is through this 2025 season. So five years after this, which is great. But the thing I want to really bring up here is it's not just Brandon Bean. He's done a tremendous job. Of course, he gets the credit for building the roster, but that's because he also has a great staff around him. And I was going through it today. I tweeted it out at Sal Sports. In case you didn't see it, go follow me and figure it out there on Twitter at Sal Sports. Brandon Bean's staff, Joe Shane, assistant GM, Dan Morgan, player personnel director, Malik Boyd, pro personnel director, Terrence Gray, director of college scouting, Lake Dawson, assistant director of college scouting. Uh, Brian Gain, a per, uh, personnel advisor. Dennis Hickey, their senior national scout. That is an all-star front office, folks. For the for the first time, really. I mean, really for the first time in my life. And I, I think I've probably felt this way before optimistically in the past. Like, okay, yeah, I feel good about this or I feel good about that. But I truly believe for the first time in my adult life, the Bills are in some really, really, really good hands for a long time. And even at the times where I felt, Oh, it looks like they're on the right track. You know, I mean, I think buddy Nix did some nice things at times and Doug Whaley did some nice things at times, but there was always strife. There was always power struggle. There was always the, you know, not knowing the value of contract extensions or trades for draft picks and things like that, whatever happened. And those kinds of things, you'd see glimmers of optimism here. I just think this is a steady ship right now with a really good staff that's involved. And I think Brandon Bean has done an amazing job to put that staff together. So the thing about it is if the bills do lose one of them to a GM job, like a Joe Shane, like a Dan Morgan, because to me, those guys are going to be GMs one day. Brian Gain has already been a GM in Houston. Dennis Hickey's already been a GM in Miami. They have guys who've already been GMs on their staff, but if they do happen to lose one of them, a Terrence Gray, a Malik Boyd, they go somewhere else. They get a promotion. First of all, good for them. They've earned it. Don't be mad at them ever. Second of all, I have full confidence 
that Brandon Bean has created such a good pipeline. And this is this is partly why he gets an extension. It's not just for the winning. It's not just for finding the franchise quarterback, which I think most of us would agree it seems like they have hit on now in Josh Allen. The reason why Brandon Bean also gets an extension is because you see the roster of personnel people he's put together. I'm not talking about players, personnel people, his staff, and what he's been able to do for this organization. You give him an extension because you know that if any of those people leave, you have confidence. If you're Terry and Kim Pagula, you have confidence that this man is going to continue to bring those kind of people into your organization to basically keep this thing going. And on top of that, more than anything, his relationship with Sean McDermott is incredible, right? I mean, for what it means for this, this organization, what it means for the future. Sean was asked last week before the 49ers game about that relationship because it's the similar type of situation they have in San Francisco and the Bills were playing the 49ers. So he was asked about how that thing went down. Sean interviewed for the 49ers job. He didn't get it. They hired Kyle Shanahan. Then the 49ers bring on John Lynch as a GM and they are really in lockstep together. They have a very good relationship. And Sean was asked about the similarities between the two organizations. And he basically said, like, you know, how good of a relationship it has to be and how it is. And I've never worried about Brandon Bean not getting an extension. He's done a great job on the player side. He's done a great job on the coach side and the relationship and the communication and, you know, how that thing works. But I, I want to bring up, and I think one of the things that isn't talked about enough or understood enough about what how much it means to this organization, if you're a Bills fan, you should feel very good, not just about the people in charge, but about the people under the people in charge. That is a really good front office that the Bills have right now under Brandon Bean. And this is an extension that's well-deserved. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his family. And I'm happy for Bills fans that they get to have a guy like Brandon Bean and a guy like Sean McDermott that you don't have to worry about now for quite a while. And they're building this thing. They're building it the right way. And they're on a really, really, really good track. All right. Before we head on out of here, Bills Steelers Sunday night. It's the first time the Bills are ever going to be on Sunday night football in an actual scheduled game on NBC. Now, I'm talking about the NBC format when they went to that back in, what, 07, whenever, was it maybe even before that, 06, 05, whatever it was, um, the first year that NBC started doing it. The Bills had never been scheduled on a Sunday night football game. They've only been flexed in to a couple of them. In 07, they were flexed in against the New England Patriots. They lose 56-10 to 10 in the Patriots' um, undefeated season, undefeated regular season. Last year, they get flexed in at Pittsburgh. The Bills win. These games were not scheduled. This is the first time this Sunday. The Bills will play on a Sunday night football game that's actually been scheduled from the beginning to be played, which is pretty incredible. It's a big deal. It's a big day. It's a big game. If the Bills win, they're one step closer to that ultimate goal of winning the division for the first time in 25 years. Here's what needs to happen. The Bills need to beat the Steelers. The Chiefs need to beat the Dolphins, which could happen. And then next Saturday, if all that happens, next Saturday, if both those things happen, Bills win, Chiefs win. We'll know about the Chiefs and Dolphins before the Bills play. If that happens, Bills can clinch the division with a win at Denver next Saturday. And Bills Mafia will go crazy, and that will be so cool. I'll be on tomorrow morning with Howard and Jeremy in the morning, 7 o'clock on Friday morning. We'll have Buffalo Football Friday. All of your previews coming your way. We got all your pregame show stuff coming on Sunday, of course, on the Buffalo Bills Radio Network and on WGR Sports Radio 550. I appreciate everybody who comes along here on the stream. We do it every Thursday night. Or if you're listening on the podcast, Sal Sports and stuff, go download the podcast. Sometimes there's podcasts that aren't particularly just the live show. So if you don't know about the podcast, go download it. Go listen to it. It can be found on Apple iTunes. Uh, you can find it, of course, at WGR550.com. Just type in Sal Sports and stuff. All right. Colorado Craig. That's right. He says, clinch in Denver? Hmm. 
maybe Colorado Craig, maybe they get that chance in Denver. I don't know what the situation is with fans, and maybe you'd be able to see them. All right, thanks a lot for coming to the show tonight. Thanks a lot to my special guest, Tim Benz. Thanks for downloading, listening, subscribing. I'll talk to you on Friday on WGR and, of course, this weekend as the Buffalo Bills take on the Pittsburgh Steelers Sunday on WGR, the Buffalo Bills Radio Network, Sunday night. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.